The intensity has been turned up, but the battle is only beginning. Every game, every period, every shift means that much more. All that's missing is you. It's time to paint the Lone Star State victory green with your Dallas Stars. Be here to experience the excitement as the Stars make their push for the Stanley Cup playoffs. Get your tickets now at DallasStars.com. One state, one team, Texas hockey. Welcome to the Podman Rush, the official podcast of the Dallas Stars. Here's your host, Daryl Razor Ray. Back with another sterling and, dare I say, riveting edition of the Podman Rush. This week, in honor of many things, we go goalie-centric. And for it, a special guest. For the decade of the early aughts, I think they're referred to as, uh, not the Steve Otts, although he was part of it. <laughs> uh, don't laugh out loud. Uh, he manned the Stars net, and I might add in record-setting fashion, and he is now the president. Uh, we should have had this on Monday then. President's Day. <laughs> <laughs> he is the president of the Stars Foundation, Marty Turco. Thanks for joining us, Marty. <laughs> Thanks, Razor. Oh, and Mike. Uh, Mike, too. Thanks for having me. Woo, 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 woo. Yeah, of course, the great Mike Heike is here once again. Look, the big young otter is one of the three stars of the week. And mm -hmm. our old nemesis, Pekka Rene, is having his number 35, uh, retired in Nashville when we're there on Thursday night. So I thought it was a perfect time to talk a little goaltending, as if we don't, even when Marty's not here. But, but you're the ultimate guy to have on right now because you went through what young Jake Ottinger is going through and now uh, spreading his wings a little bit and coming in out of college and finding your way to uh, greatness at the NHL level and just a, a brilliant, stingy, kind of a quote-unquote, all right, I got this week from Jake, the 23-year-old. Uh, but there's also a couple things with what Marty has going on, too, that we'll get into. But um, how long did it take you, Marty, to feel like, okay, I have this, I, I've, I've friggin' arrived here? Mm. Uh, it, it, it definitely took a while. And, you know, I, although our, as our paths might seem similar in, in some regards, which they are, um, you know, in some ways that they weren't, you know, I didn't turn pro till I was 23 and my first two years pro full in the minors, uh, there in a couple of call-ups. And then I got that experience of two Stanley cup runs, you know, and, and mm. to me that that was the really invaluable part of the, uh, all shocks moment where I'm like, man, I can hang, you know, I'm playing with every day, these future hall of famers, uh, almost two time cup winning team and you know, it felt pretty good. I can hang, you know, whether it was just in the locker room, but certainly on the ice. And so, you know, right away, my first year playing was my, my game one was that year in, in 2000, 2001. And, and I had a good year, you know, led the league in save percentage. And so from even, even after that year and not having been a starter, most of the last 10 years and other levels to get here and be like, can I do it? Um, you know, I think part of that fear of the unknown, uh, you know, all the while having confidence, you both were there. Remember, uh, <laughs> there's still the summers. You're like, man, you know, like 
you know, can I do it? Can I hang? Can I stay healthy? Can I be the guy for 50, 60, 70 games? And so uh, he's he's got a lot of experience. He's got a lot of size, certainly a lot of talent. And this year has been um, just been a lot of fun from my perspective to watch him and a few of the things that maybe we wish you'd get a little bit better at. He has. And, um, you know, it's you kind of seen a budding superstar in the making. Do you do you recall when like from season to season in the early going where you were like, okay, I'm much better at this. I got, I've caught up to this. Whereas when you first stepped in, maybe, maybe obviously in your cocky mind, you thought you had it all figured out, but in reality, the, you were like, uh, a little uncertainty in there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. And do you, do you see some of that in, in Jake from, last year to this year. And he had a little bit of what you were speaking of, I guess, in the bubble uh, when he was there. He was actually dressing because of the injury to Bishop. But I, I see that too. There's there, there's some real value in spending that time. I forgot about that. That, that, is, a, that is a good little sort of uh, booster shot, if you will, for a third goaltender at that time of year. Uh, it's... You're in the mix, man. You're in the those practices. They and they don't be, care about you. No, they don't <laughs> care about you. I mean, you, you both remember me laying down in the Buffalo series. Yes, you were Dominic Hasek. They're like, I'm like, I think he's a little better than this hitch. I don't need just to lay down, and the guy's got to shoot high. Where this is not peewee, you know. Um, now nah, those those you you don't know what's in front of you, but every scenario, time of year, playoff practice mode, or being the guy. Um, you, you, you yearn for it, but you just got to keep an open mind and be ready. Um, whether you're playing 10 in a row or, you know, got an injury to deal with, or you're just not playing your well. Yeah. I've had, I had those moments. I mean, throughout my career, I certainly had them. It's like, Hey, you, even when you got to the point, it's like, yeah, you know what? I, I, I know I can, I've had, uh, great years. The body certainly can do it, but can you do it all the time? Mm. And you, you, what made me think of this one time and Louis Erickson, who was in town earlier this year, uh, was celebrating his thousandth game and, and talked to him. He he said, "You remember my first game ever?" And and I was like, uh, "Just remind me what year that was." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was right after the lockout. And our first game was in Colorado and and nationally televised. And it was a big rivalry back then. And and um, we ended up winning in overtime. And I and I passed it. You know, we we're talking about assists earlier today. Uh, passed it to Sidor. Came out of the box. He was going to change, but hit him on the tape. And I went in and scored on Theodore and we, we won the game. And Louie was like, Hey, that was my first game ever. I'm like, well, the, all I can remember other than making that pass in overtime to win the game, um, uh, was about two days before sitting here, right. In, you know, right here in Frisco, um, feeling terrible about the season and I had a bad training camp. I just didn't have two feet underneath me. I was getting beat on shots. that shouldn't have been beat me. And I just made like a couple subtle changes in my stance and glove positioning. And then, Got to Colorado that morning skate is when it clicked. I mean, I went from four weeks of uh, feeling pretty terrible and not too excited about the season to just, you know, one little change making all the difference in the world and then cementing it with a, you know, good game and a big win to start the year off. So that was, uh, those those things come to mind. So you always have those moments in and out the season as well. How how ironic that it's Colorado because the kid was out of his mind against the Avs. And Wasn't then he? beating him, so he gets uh, he gets one of the three stars of the week. Uh, it beat the Avs by himself. Outdueled a Hall of Famer in the uh, perfection pose off at the UC in Chicago. 
and then was a rock in Glendale uh, as his teammates were firing off airsoft and Nerf <laughs> Nerf guns at the other end. Oh, that uh, happens. Yeah, I know. I know it does. Mike, you want to jump in? Well, I was just going to ask Marty, so as you're older now and you can look back on some of these things, is his personality a lot like yours? And and we saw with you and then Eddie and Manny, and there's different personalities that can succeed in the goaltending position. Like, I look at you guys as normal, if that is a I, – I see it as a compliment because goal, a lot of goalies aren't normal. Can a normal guy – It's a you know, shot deal at with, me, I think. I, I think so. <laughs> uh, can a normal guy deal with that pressure, and, and is it helpful? Uh, you know, I think normal is relative to who who our comparables are. <laughs> you know, two that, two that you mentioned two that you mentioned are, uh, you know, quite eccentric. And, uh, you know, more defined by the position, you know, normalcy that I exuded probably is more relative to them than anything else. But, um, you know, I think to your point, if there's a fire in the belly and the competitiveness is there, um, there's no reason why you can't act normal on a when it's time to act normal. I don't think I was normal when that mask went on. Um, I even even at this old age you alluded to, Mike, now if I put the helmet back on, I mean, I just. I feel something different, you know, it's kind of like a cape. And so for Jake, you know, if, if, if there is a comp on that end, uh, that's probably where they, where they stop. I saw him recently when he was visiting our black history truck here at farmer's branch. I'm like, I mean, this kid's 23 years old. He's that tall. He's that good looking. And he's, that good of a goaltender. I'm like, I'm not the jealous kind, but bang, he, mirror. Uh, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> so if he's, I think normalcy can certainly help. It's, um, you know, the scrutiny's very powerful and the more normal you can live your life uh, away from the rink, then I think it just lets you get back, get back to the competitive nature and, uh, and alleviate some of that stress that we've seen goaltenders have over the years. Sometimes they need to trade teams. Sometimes they just need time off. Um, it seems like things do roll off his back a, l- a little bit easier than some. And it's, uh, it, it's good to have, um, but it's, it's, it's a balance, right? You know, you can't just, not shrug it off when things are struggling and things you got to work on. But uh, it's just that for his age where he's at relative to the rest of the goaltenders in the world um, at his age, uh, he's off to hell of a start for a professional career. You were so good at shootouts when it was introduced. I think ironically, I believe this is true. I think Eddie actually got into the first ever shootout in the NHL, Uh, him and Alfredson were the first two guys when Eddie was with, uh, Belfort was with the Leafs. But anyway, I digress. What, 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 did, what was your mindset with them? You had a couple pretty good guys that, were, that would score at the other end, but, but so do these guys. I mean, the, the kid Robertson never misses, it feels like. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what, did you, what did you focus on? What was your big deal? And what have you seen in Jake's improvement in overtime and in shootouts? Because it was – a bit of a struggle. Maybe he's putting too much pressure on himself or something as a rookie last year. But um, anyway, answer those two questions if you don't <laughs> mind, Marty. I'll do my best, okay. Razor. The, the um, you know, when uh, I couldn't even tell you, maybe had four, between four and maybe even three and five penalty shots my whole career up to that point. And then all of a sudden you're getting two. Is there one you'd, you'd prefer two, not two. to talk about or? There's only one, just the first one. That's it. <laughs> I know, you know everything, I, everything I, else was success. Yeah. I had a clean, I had a clean sheet after that. And who was it? Mike uh, Fisher. 
<sighs> I think it was Mike Fisher. Come on. Or Carrie, I think Carrie Underwood's uh, boyfriend, husband. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't tell you the first one. Who scored on me? I'd be, I would be shocked if it was Mike, but maybe. I, I trust you. But my, my mindset was um, I got a free chance at a win. You know, I don't know how many ties I had up to that point. I'm like, <laughs> these things could turn into wins. Uh, let's go get it. And I did have the good fortune, as you mentioned, UC Jokinen and the Hall of Famer jersey in the rafters, Zergy Zuboff with, um, to go in there and score. Many a nights, I just had to stop too, but we were back in the locker room smoking darts. I mean, maybe one of us was in, <laughs> in, 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 short, in short order. But, you know, the, the mindset was as a confident goaltender, where we didn't have any video on the guys was like, Hey man, it's me against you. See what you got. And our, my position was, I knew, I knew I had a upper hand because I was the goalie, you know, if they can miss the net. I didn't have to do anything. Uh, so present percentages are on our side. You just got to watch them, read them once in a while, throw in a poke check to make them keep thinking that that might happen again. at some point, which don't see too much of that anymore. And no. so it's just a re read and react position. You know, you're taught as a young kid to get out there and, and time the speed. And that's why you see players slowing down, speeding up and such. But that was really my mindset. I was like, Hey, I got you. And then when all else fails, just throw a glove behind your head or barrel roll it. And you've guys witnessed a lot of that stuff. Thank goodness it was in standard definition, not high def <laughs> in this day and age. What was um, the little what was the little monkey bounce about it in the beginning? It was just it was more for me. I mean, it was only for me. Just what did it do? Relax you? Well, I, it just got me on my on my really on my inside edges. I had a hard time just with getting my feet where I wanted to. And that's why I would do that jump actually at faceoffs in our own zone. And um it probably a little less subtle, but I don't know why I twisted to the, you know, to one way and it was more, I mean, you got to get a push. And so I might as well load up on that edge to get that push. And, you know, someone said something to me one time. I didn't even notice I was doing it. I was just like, all right, well, I'm coming at you, facing right, looking at you with one <laughs> eye. And um, yeah, it, it's, it's a game. You know, you know what it's like, right? You're talking to yourself, you're playing games, yeah. you're games inside yourself. You got nobody to talk to on that island. And, and so I had fun with it, you know, and, and, you know, I got dry humor and I just, you know, when you think yourself's funny, it's uh, adds to your confidence. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, you know, Jakester Otters. Um, you know, from from that, I'm really proud of him. The way he came out of it, it was looked daunting, even from my seat, high, farther away at American Airlines Center, getting overtime, and that one spell he had, just you know, nothing seemed to go his way. And and then you know, then you start pressing, right? And he right. He's, he is a competitor, so he wants it so hard, and he just was, you know, jumping at the bid. One first move or head fake, he was just. Um, you know, gets inside, you know, it's, it's tough to recover from, but uh, I'll tell you this year, the confidence is just tenfold to what he has. His patience seems to be developing in the right way. And, mm. uh, and I, I, if I don't know this for a fact, but I'm pretty sure you're working at it because uh, it's really shown in, uh, in overtime and at the end of the day, when you're talking about wins and losses and it comes down to those little things, uh, the confidence that he's given his team, I know he's given me just sitting there watching it, uh, the way he has composure in, in and around himself at the end of the game and overtime, it's, yeah. uh, it makes a big difference. You can just tell it uh, on a nightly basis. The goofiness that you and Mike Smith used to have, did that help your performance? Because, I mean, I remember watching some of the dumb soccer games in the hallway, and you were very <laughs> athletic. So was he. You're very and, dismissive with this question, Mike. No, it's it was wonderful to watch. I, I remember one where you're running back towards your goal, 
and uh, Smitty kicks one, and you just stuck your hand out. Didn't look. And you just stuck your hand out and stopped it with your like your left hand. And I'm like, how did you do that? He goes, I knew where it was. But <laughs> it was just silly stuff like that. I mean, they kicked you off. Like, you used to go out there, what, three hours before the game? And you and him would mess around on the ice in your in your socks or sneakers or whatever. And they made up a rule that said, hey, the goalies can't be out there. That's, we can't be doing that. But it was yeah. just funny. And did that help you in things like the shootout or, you know, just in, in being able to handle the pressure of the NHL? Uh, you know, I think, you know, a lot of people always make comments, uh, not just to me in general, right, about athletes, professional athletes, if – you're like, oh, there's no way I would, you know, I would do that. Or how could they not give 100% every chance that they have, you know, in baseball season as long as it is or us. And and I'll, I'll tell you, doing, uh, being with Mike Smith was literally enjoyable, was fun. Uh, we thought very similarly. Uh, we like to laugh and have fun. We competed against each other in practice. Like I've probably never been challenged before in a really competitive, friendly type way. And so when we got on the ice before games to sauce it around, we were, we were playing games and we played donkey ball or soccer before the game with the guys. It, it was competitive and we played the game to win and it showed um, this more of who we are. And I, and it, it really, you know, puts this big smile on my face because Smitty was, um, he was just a big goofy hell of an athlete guy Um you know, had size and athleticism. He needed to be reined in. Uh, reminded me a lot when I was younger, minus the size and some of the athleticism. But that did. It helped kind of normalize it um, for us. It helped us stay focused on otherwise, you know, long seasons of when we were in the West and the Pacific Division. I mean, you guys traveled with us. You know, it wasn't the most glamorous thing in the world, but uh, we enjoyed it and enjoyed. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. <laughs> right. Enjoy a part of the parts of part of the trials and tribulations of it. It's like, you know, you yeah. got to fake it till you make it. And, <laughs> and, uh, Smitty and I put ourselves in that position often with a lot of the guys, but you know, him and I, like I said, we're so similar in our thought process and just really enjoyed each other's company that, uh, it did. It helped kept the train on the tracks uh, a little bit longer at times and probably would have. Uh, well, he's still going at 38, uh, and 39 now, maybe. Well, I think he is 39 now. Uh, but I was trying to segue to Pekka Rene, and it was oh. it was going beautifully there until you interjected. Uh, Pekka played till he was 38. Stars are traveling to Nashville on Thursday. Another installment of Stars power play against Preds delinquents upcoming. Uh, but it's also Pekka Rene, number 35, retirement night. And uh, as far as foreign team goalies go – I don't mean Finnish. I mean other teams around the NHL. Pekka's certainly one of my favorites. I, I loved watching him play. Uh, size, style. Uh, he's one of the highest scoring goaltenders ever. Uh, and he's my Carpat brother. We both played for the same franchise over in Finland, up in Oulu. Uh, so it, it, he was a, a pretty much, I guess him and Kiprasov would be on the front edge of the Finnish goaltender invasion, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What no, did you think of Big Pekka? Ah, uh, man, I, I, I know for a fact when I was asked about other, you know, colleagues goaltenders in the league, I, he he probably rolled off my tongue the most. Uh, I can't even think it was who was even second behind him. Just, I mean, I'd literally like watching him if Nashville was playing. 
um, and wasn't against us, was on TV, I'd, I'd watch it. Yeah. Um, he, he made the game fun. He made the position enjoyable. He made saves. That's what I liked about it because it, it was an era of uh, – of a lot of puck block, you know, the big oversized equipment puck blockers were coming in. Mm-hmm. And yet he played, he played the game at six foot five, like a lot of smaller goaltenders had to play or were forced to play because they had to actually make saves. So yeah. to me, it always looked more artful. Yeah, it, it did. Like he could have, he would have been a heck of a goalie in the eighties, uh, really, <laughs> yeah. ni- really good in the nineties. He would have been the best goalie in the eighties. <laughs> would have been the best goalie in the eighties, probably. I mean, you know, he had a little Billy Ranford in him and he had, um, you know, a couple other, a little bit of Dominic in him. Just yeah. It, what, what, you know, where, where it was for hockey, um, and goaltending, he just did whatever he thought to make the save. And he had a little bit of style to him, but his style was often no style. Uh, he read the game awesome. He spent a lot of time off two feet in the air. Just, <laughs> I think I saw him make a squeeze his pads together when the def- there was deflection one time. Um, he was he was really a treat to watch. Very underrated puck mover. Um, I yeah. mean, he scored, he scored a goal, so you got to. He's got that on most. Yeah, he does that on most. But he was just uh, he he had it all. And um, what I learned to like about him the most after you know having some of his teammates on my team or meeting him was that he was just a good dude and he was super highly competitive and uh, his teammates liked him. And there's a reason why he had that much success and uh, that is 35 will be hanging come Thursday uh, there at Bridgestone arena. So it's uh, he was, he was always a treat to watch. I love playing against them. I love watching them. And uh, I plan on being at that game on Thursday to watch us play him. And it'll be uh, I'll have a wry smile on my face watching number 35 go up. Yeah, the uh, 35, you guys have that in uh, in common. And you also were very involved in the community when you were playing, as Pekka has been. He's a god in, in Smashville uh, for all the stuff he's done in that uh, city. Another strong segue by me here. This is a big week for Marty Turco, president of the Dallas Stars Foundation's foundation, uh, Casino Night is on Friday. You mentioned you're going to Nashville to escort uh, winners. Uh, is it winners or is it purchasers of no, anyway, winners. supporters? Winners. winners. Yeah. Uh, and then the alumni game is on Sunday too. Oh. Are you going to play? Are those hips going to allow you to play or not? <laughs> yeah, hips have been good. Thank okay, you good. for that. Good, um, good. Yeah, going to Nashville with uh, some auction winners. Um, we're supposed to catch a Dirks Bentley concert that's got postponed. Uh, really looking forward to going to, to Nashville at the game. Hopefully weather allows us to go. I got a funky email today from American and, you know, Friday night, it's our perennial, our biggest fundraiser uh, of the year. Uh, now I know a lot of work does go into it. I see it firsthand. <laughs> I see it firsthand. Uh, it's, it's such a great event and it yeah. always has been for the players, the organization, and from the foundation, um, getting our, you know, we're going to miss the players this year, but normally, you know, right. Players get to participate and their dealers, mm-hmm. blackjack roulette. And it's just that one event where it all, everybody becomes one. Um, you know, we'll have 600 people there this year and, you know, hopefully we'll get back to a thousand with the players in it next year. But, uh, it's just, it's a great way for us to raise more money for this great community, which we live in to service it, um, at its, at its 
highest levels of need. And uh, we're proud of what we do in this foundation. It's a great opportunity. It uh, feels like it's come full circle for me. And there's a lot of great guys and people in this community in the NHL that have done great work. And we're really proud of what we do here in the Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas community. And then this weekend, we're, we're actually playing the Detroit Red Wings alumni, which we haven't played an alumni team in a while. So it'll be a competitive game coming in uh selfishly you know big hatch is coming back we'll see where he fits in the lineup uh we got a, uh yuri fisher's coming in the guy could probably still play uh in the league he's doing great nice and healthy darren mccarty and some other guys and, and my roommate and my goalie uh partner from michigan greg dr greg maliki he's he's their main goalie that eats the bulk work so he's coming in to stay ah. at the house so so Saturday, Saturday night, Sunday morning, uh, we'll be on the concourses. A few of us selling 50-50 raffle tickets uh, for the benefactor of the game, the Alumni Association, and mostly the community here in which we live. So, you know, while you're running down my um, my list of things to do uh, this week, my, my hips aren't tired, but my brain already is. So uh, <laughs> well, I'll be getting some sleep tonight and tomorrow. Yeah. Well, you are a busy, busy man uh, this week. We appreciate you taking a little bit of time to join us for a bit of goalie talk. And uh, it's been awesome, as it always is, Marty. Uh, and Mike probably has one more question, but we won't <laughs> let him ask it. What? What? Yeah. I was just, just going to say, and I'm going to ask Daryl about this just to reinforce it. So over the years, you have See, been so, you. Gen <laughs> so genuine in your support of charities. I remember when you got man of the year. So I have to go do interviews with people. And I mean, nurses at hospitals, people who work for community fundraisers back when you were a player were just like, oh, he just shows up. He just, you know, well, you know, he says, oh, I thought you might need me today. And you're like, what? And he's goes, yeah, he just, you know, he helps out any, any way he can. And so when you look at the support that you guys have done the Stars Foundation, um, and this is more for Daryl because I don't want you to talk about yourself too much. But it is well, impressive. You, You've seen it, haven't you, Daryl? Just how I have. We could have waited until Marty in. left us, and then. But this is good. <laughs> this is fine. You can embarrass him in his office. That's with right. The showers of accolades. You're well, right. I'll, I'll tell you, Mike, and you know Razor, and uh, I never dreamed of. Playing in the NHL, honestly, I didn't know it was even attainable in my lifetime. I just thought it was guys on TV. Um, and when the opportunity came, uh, and for all I've learned in my lifetime, and having a, a decent amount of perspective, I wasn't immune to uh, foolery every now and then. Um, it was just seemed like it wasn't a burden, and it wasn't something that I had to wake up myself early in the morning to go do something or do something after practice when I had time, you know, as pre-kids, uh, we were, I mean, we, life couldn't have been any better. And just to show up somewhere and do some, which seemed like, uh, not difficult things seemed really like the right thing to do. And, um, you know, like I said, I didn't get it right all the time, but once in a while I did, and, uh, maybe, maybe a better human and maybe a better father and certainly maybe a better goaltender for it, having a good perspective, getting into, uh, the great seat at a reunion in the American Airlines Center for all those years. So uh, it's always good to pay it forward. Now getting a chance to do it at uh, on a daily basis is it really means a lot to me. And um, I, I mean, I don't take it lightly. So uh, it'll be fun Friday seeing everybody and and uh, you know, yeah. You know, I was like, hey, you miss playing? I'm like, yeah, I miss playing because you miss the opportunity of uh, really getting to make a difference. But uh, getting to do it on a daily basis, like I said, now uh, is super rewarding. So I just appreciate you guys talking about it and I can go talk yeah, about yeah. yourself and I'll go hide. Yeah. Good. 
you're a good man. You you uh, you were involved back in the day, and you you continue to give back today. So uh, appreciate you coming on, Marty. Thanks for taking a t- little bit of time out of your very busy schedule this week. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> Have fun, Thanks, this guys. Week. All right. Thank you, Mike. Bye, Razor. See ya. Yeah, the stars. Isn't it interesting, Mike? The stars have have never had a super young number one goaltender, and Marty just uh, supported that. Like, yeah, you know, by the time he was a clear cut number one, he was probably twenty seven, right? Yeah, I I think so. Uh, you know, now you look at it and you you think to yourself. Here's Jake Ottinger at 23 and seems to be trending in that direction. They've never the they've never had a starting number one goaltender under the age of 26. Yeah, ever. They they did a great job of producing goaltenders for other teams, Mike Smith, uh, Dan Ellis. Uh, yeah, as uh, as starters, you're right. Yeah, you're I right. Mean, but yeah. but again, they you know they were more the farm team because they always had Eddie or they had Marty yeah. and. Um, veteran goalies. But, but it's interesting. I mean, they really did produce some good young goalies. They just mm-hmm. went elsewhere to start. So what would you say is the state of stars goaltending right now? Um, I mean, the, the huge, the big, the big picture of it, it, in your words, it's an interesting question to examine <laughs> and ponder Yeah, just because well, the, the season started with a mug runneth over, it seemed, you know, goaltending situation here with Jake and Doby, and then they'd signed Holtby. Bishop was efforting a comeback. Plus you had uh, Adam Shield out of North Dakota starting his pro career uh, in Texas. And is Jerusik there now um, along with them or not? I have Kid to out look. of it, Michigan I mean, Tech. Yeah, anyway. I, I'm not sure. Colton Point was the guy who was there. He was there, he may, yeah. Yeah, he may yeah. be in Idaho now. So – where do you see it now here at 50 games into the season? Well, it's it's Jake and and then uh, Holpe. And I think they really like Braden Holpe. It's just a matter of can his body mm. stay healthy enough for them to like him. Like I, I said this on one of the national shows the other day. It's This is just my opinion. Wow, my you were read. on a national show it's, along it's with hard, this podcast, Mike? It's hard to believe. I didn't Woo! ask for, I didn't ask for permission. Holy moly! <laughs> Hike is is nationwide. But I said, this is just my opinion. My read of the situation is they want a veteran for the playoffs. Their contention is they're going to make the playoffs. And then once they get to the playoffs, they want a veteran to be there. And I think that's why they got Holpe. That's why they tried to get Dobie back up and running. Because as good as Jake is, he hasn't been in the playoffs. And I think the front office really trusts the veteran goalie. And so I don't know what's going to happen. We'll see. But if, if both are, are playing at the same level, my guess would be management wants Holtby to start in the playoffs because he's won a cup. And so this will be really interesting to watch down the stretch because Jake is just playing lights out and every game he seems to be smarter, calmer, just like he's maturing right before our eyes. And so if that's the case, then I think they have to go with him. Well, he could certainly start the home games because he never loses at American <laughs> Airlines Center. Uh, I, I think you're you're probably correct with all that, man. I I cheer so hard for Braden Holtby to be able to band aid things together enough uh, to continue on because any and 
on top of that, if you look at the the history of of young goaltenders, a lot of them, when they uh, take their game to the next level and they sort of emerge and they become Ron Hextall or Marty Broder or wh- whoever you want to go with, you look at who their partner was, and a lot of times it's a veteran guy who's seen some things, has some lines under his eyes, uh, and can and can help. Uh, you know, look, nowadays there's a lot of help because you have a, a full-time goalie coach. Jeff Reese has done an incredible job with with all the the things that he's had to handle. It's not easy having too many goaltending or too, go, too many goaltenders. And at times, you, you know, having to take the punches from uh, coaches who don't, don't understand goaltending and they're like, well, I, he's no good. I don't know why he's... Just make them better, uh, you know. Magic wand them. We need better goaltending. Uh, but he, uh, you know, the 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 kid is starting to look like, uh, you know, he has full trust of everybody that that he can be that guy. But and the questions would would continue on. Maybe we're getting way ahead of ourselves after <laughs> third star of the week. But uh, I agree with you in that he does seem to improve. I I I felt that way last year too. I. I know he had his he had his struggles with uh, with overtime games, and we only focus on the end. That's the tough part of goaltending because you're the guy that gives up the goal if you lose. But he would have a deficiency in his game, and then you could um, you could see that he was fixing it on the fly, and that's not an easy thing to do. No. And and there is again not to throw too many roses at the feet of of Jeff Reese, but you know he finally got a chance to work with a young goaltender. Because he's mostly had veteran guys who yeah. you you can help prepare them for games and that, but you're not really there to sort of tutor and and fix and and mold the clay. It's already set. It's in the it's in the uh, oven. So uh, it's been it's again your words. It's been a very interesting <laughs> uh, little run. Really well, has. it's interesting, too, to think of the athletic arrogance and what you need to have as a goalie, I think, is, well, it's on me. I can fix this. I'm. It's me. I'm the individual. So then I think as a 34, 33-year-old or 35-year-old goalie, it's a little bit harder to take coaching than as a 23-year-old yeah, goalie. I would agree and, with that. And so then when you watch, it, it is, it's fantastic to see what Jake does. Because you're right. I mean, you you see a deficiency and then all of a sudden, you know, whether it's practice or whether that's, you know, in the actual game, he is different. He's different the next game or he's different five games later and he's addressed it. Yeah, he, you know, there've been lots of opportunities for him to fall flat on his face too, which young goaltenders do. And he's never really done that. Um, I like his demeanor. I just like the way... He carries himself. Uh, he just he just looks walks like a number one goalie, you know. Yeah. And that's what a lot of people talk about a presence that that guy has to have. Like they step into the crease and it's like, whoa, daddy's home. Yep. And he has he has that, and that's why the you know Jim Neal had to move up to get him because there were other. I'm sure there were lots of others that were like, hey, I'm, the Ottinger kid's still available. Yeah. And see if they could go get him. So But but how he does it 
Like, so there is the Ed Balfour way of doing it or the Jordan Binnington way of doing it. And then there's the Pecorine or the Marty Turco way of doing it. And I think Jake has that where his teammates really not just respect him, but connect with him. And so I think, you know, they they have fun playing with him Mm -hmm. and there's something to that. Yeah. Connect and respect. You're right. Yeah. 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 All right. Non-goalie star stuff. Enough goaltending. well, I mean, we talked today a little bit about um, even strength scoring. Okay, well, road. we'll get into that because no. there were there were there were two things uh, coming out of the game in in Glendale. The, by the way, the Stars went into the game against the Yotes as the only team in the NHL with a zero goal differential. <laughs> it just seemed weird that you know you looked at now they the Coyotes I think were minus seventy four, right? Uh, you know, and that wasn't worse than the league. Montreal was. 10 goals worse than them in goal differential. And then some other teams were very healthy in the plus side of it. But there was a Stars just a zero, just a goose egg right next to goal differential. And uh, they they came out of the game with a loss against the worst home team in the NHL. But it's it's so hockey and it's these it happens. This yeah. this junk happens. What did that say or show to you would be one of my questions. One, just how important every period is. Yeah. And it, it's relentless, and I know it's hard to be a pro athlete, and they've got 30-something games left, but you can't have a bad period. And, and Rick even pondered today a little bit that maybe they saw, the, saw this as an easier game. And, you know, they didn't talk up that way, but maybe in the back of their head, they just said, oh, well, yeah, we just already beat, you know, two good teams or whatever, and we'll just come in here and we'll win this game. And and you can't do that. And now, you know, as they face Winnipeg and as they face Nashville, they probably won't have that same mindset because they know how important these games are. But sometimes you do have to defend. Uh, he pointed out to Montreal and Toronto as how Toronto may have gone into that game last night and said, oh, yeah, we got this, and they're down 5 nothing at the end of the first period. And he goes, it happens. It's human nature. Right, it, and it's absolutely correct. The problem, though, is that the Leafs are comfortably in a playoff spot out in the correct. East where it's all pretty much set, and you're in the sort of mud and and trying to – squeeze your way through and and stay in in the top eight in in the west i think part of it too has to be just having an older team and a veteran team and it's hard to it it, it's just difficult for them whether you're in that spot the stars are in or you're in the leaf spot right it's it's hard for them to look up at a mostly empty arena uh, and an early game in Glendale and just think to yourself, yeah, man, I can't wait to go out there and bang bodies with Liam and everybody. You know what I mean? Like it's, again, yeah. it is human, it's human nature. Um, the other, the other thing, well, first off, here's my blowhard take on, on offensively. They have often appeared to be at forward a one-line scoring team plus power play from those three guys. Like one line, and one line scored for them in the game. Yep. There, right? Um, And a second line that goes in sort of fits and spurts with equal parts potential and frustration with with that that second line. 
is Jamie going to be at center? Is Tyler going to be at center? What, what, how is this going to, how is this going to work? And is it going to work from game to game? Can they string a bunch of really good games together? And then you have your, what's known in our sport as the bottom six group that really there, there's, you know, I commend all of them. I, 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 they all bring something to the table, but you have to have that group forge some kind of an identity. And, and, and that's what every, every coach wants, every manager wants. They, they just have to, they have to glue themselves. They have to gel it. They have to be something. And instead of just a, a collection of players, whether it's, oh my God, their fourth line is so fast. Oh, oh my God, their third line is so heavy and so difficult to play against, whatever it is. So I, I, I think that has played into some of their inability to cut, roll offensively. Uh, they, my, my second thing, I don't know, you have something to add, but my second thing with, out of Glendale was on how bizarre is the Coyote Arena Futures situation. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Which is just madcap but go ahead well i mean on that one so they're going to move to arizona state i've heard it's five thousand maybe for college hockey and maybe less for nhl okay okay the whole situation with the wayward coyotes unlike many others i get the loyalty to the arizona market yep like i really do the state has already uh legalized gambling They, they don't have to worry about that there it's not a vote it's in and it's a destination locale like it's like vegas and, and yeah and nashville you know people want to go there they go there for uh bachelor parties and bachelorette parties and whatever the super bowl where's the super bowl next year right it's it's in phoenix it's in arizona will be in glendale so that i get what i do not get is the size and length of the stay at the stopgap home arena at Arizona State in Tempe. I do not get that. They're, yeah. they're talking like three years, maybe four. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, would be, it would be like the Stars playing at Comerica Center. Yeah. P- pretty close. I, yeah, I think it's no. a little bit bigger than that. That's about and then the, the, other, the other thing that I really don't get is, is the original okay to plant the flag in Glendale. Because you, you got to fish where the fish are, not not in a real estate venture pool. You have to fish where the fish are, and yeah. the fish are not there. And it was too cumbersome to ask people forty one nights a year to continue to trek out to there. Easy for the football team; they only have to go there eight Sundays, right, or nine, or whatever it is now. Not um, to mention the traffic on Sundays a lot different than exactly night. during the week trying to go to a night game. I know. So anyway, that that's my diatribe. You go. Uh, <laughs> the same thing. Um, you know, we we see in Fort Lauderdale, and Fort Lauderdale's obviously a lot busier than Glendale is. But I just never understood that. Ottawa, same thing. Mm. The league needs to step in and say, I get that you're getting good land prices <laughs> wherever it is that you're doing this. But but look at Tampa. You know, look at Nashville. Look at uh, Las Downtown Vegas. Downtown arenas. Yeah. Downtown arenas. That's where you find success. And so somebody needs to tell the owners, I get what you're... Why don't you do it, Mike? All right, I will. All right, I'll write right now. I'll call him I, up. I charge you with it. Now that you're national, you told us you're national. Oh, I, big time. Um, but yeah, it's, 
I don't know. I mean, and I, this obviously as a Texan starts to, so okay, so should they move to Houston? And obviously Gary doesn't want that, and we don't even bring that talk up. But, I mean, if they're really going to be playing in a 5,000-seat <laughs> arena for four years, then certainly the question of moving them has to be put on the table at some point in time. I won't be able to crab about my broadcast location, I don't think. I, I won't be a long <laughs> way away from the rink. No, they might I have you believe. right down on the glass. Well, that would be even worse. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, the other the other part of this was the, the offense, and it's ongoing. We've talked about it plenty of times. You just need to be able to score enough, you know? Well, I agree, and, and there's nothing wrong with scoring on the power play. I mean, it's one, it's important, and it's two... Solid you know, point, Mike. Well, I mean, it's just... One, you look at good teams and they score on the power play. Well, so, well, and with this team, it's almost like a, a deterrent and a bit of yes. a weapon because you you watch game to game as I know you do because you're Mike. <laughs> That's right. And you see that a lot of teams appear to be trying to avoid the Stars' power play like a poopy diaper. Like they <laughs> they just don't want anything to do with it. Yeah, and in theory and, that should open the eyes. Di- if it's a poopy diaper then you do have to deal with it, but you have to plug your nose while you're doing it and hope everything holds together. And that's their penalty killing. God, yeah. I'm solid with my you metaphors are. It's today. Beautiful. It was a beautiful metaphor too. Uh, I can envision it right now. Uh, but that should open up the ice at even strength because they're scared to hook and hold and take penalties. But what's frustrating, I think, about all this even strength scoring or lack thereof is that it's gone on for four years. Like, you know, 28th, 29th, 30th in the league through different coaches, through different players. And so then you do wonder, is this an organizational thing? Is this, you know, do they just not have players who finish chances? Well, because a couple of years ago, they got plenty of scoring chances, yeah. according to the, you know, analytics. So I yeah. don't know. The, right. And there, there probably is some truth within there somewhere. Uh, you know, some guys like Marty just talked about it. Like yeah. we, we were, we were talking about, uh, assists, goalie assists. Cause Rene has 14 and he also has a one in the G column, which is weird. His career numbers are one 14 for 15 points as a goalie. Uh, but you do have to have guys that can finish and yeah. I won't say their names now who wouldn't finish off Marty Turco's passes from time to time on breakaways. <laughs> But you do you do need that that level of uh, finish. But the other thing that that very uh, accommodatingly so gets just uh, silenced or doesn't get brought up when talking about how the stars don't score five on five is that they don't give up. If if you look over that stretch of time, they don't give up much five on five either. It's like they're a top three. We're a top three, top five team in fewest goals allowed five on five right. and, and you do have to sacrifice something one way or the other and we've seen it both ways here in the last 15 years where uh, you can go you know leather to leg and and just score 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 and hope your goalie has a good night and if he doesn't you're going to give up five but you might score six or seven or you might only score three or four and you'll lose right. or you can go the other way it just would be nice if they could breeze a little, a little more, and have 
a little more depth to their offensive attack five on five. Agreed. Yeah. And it's interesting just looking at that bubble run of how they talked about let's activate the defenseman, let's play defense, but then let that create scoring opportunities. And then for whatever reason in that run, Miro Haskinen was scoring or Yoel Kiviranta scored that one game or, you know, whoever came up and, and found a way to when they got the opportunity that was created by good defense, they cashed in. And so it's, it's huge. And we, you know, we saw last, I mean, that Arizona game was a perfect example of they had eight great scoring chances and you're just like, how'd they miss that? Yeah. But I mean, you look back over the last week and I think those are some of the highlights on ESPN is, you know, Jamie missing the open net or uh, Robertson missing the open net. And you're like, how does that happen? But it's a game of hockey. Yeah. And even if you just go to the last two games, you're like, okay, that was Marc-Andre Fleury. And he has 500 wins in the league. There's three guys that have ever won that many games. So when Marc-Andre Fleury puts on a clinic like that, you're kind of like, look, but it's guys called up from the American Hockey League that play like Marc-Andre Fleury. It's, you know, Scott Wedgwood looked like Marc-Andre Fleury in the third period of that game. It just, it happens. And and that's why, you know, it's why it, it is what it is and uh montembaum yeah montembaum <laughs> two more things to touch on uh is the marty st louis hire in montreal a start of nba-ish coaching hires in the nhl i will say that the people who love players um, because I think there is, you know, in the media, there's certainly a, a I heard group. the media are player haters, Mike. Usually they are. <laughs> uh, I think, you know, when you look at, at different things as, you know, one, whether that's the, you know, what they're making or when they have, you know, demands during a lockout or whatever, I do believe that media tends to side with the owners a lot. I could be wrong on that, but, you know, I'm just saying that. But now when you look at what, Martin St. Louis is doing and how some of the young players are responding in a very short window. Uh, uh, I think there's a lot of people who are hang, hanging this up and saying, see, see, this is what you need to do. You need to relate to the players. You don't need to yell at them or coach them or tell them to play defense. You need to, you know, massage them and allow them to make mistakes. And, and it may be right. I mean, we'll see for a while. Yeah. For a while. The Hitch good always, cop, the good Hitch, cop Hitch. bad cop thing has never really <laughs> gone away, Mike. No. Hitch always said, he goes, well, if they all hate me, well, at least they're together on something. <laughs> <laughs> Which I kind of always like that philosophy. Yeah. I, I don't think you – look, uh, you can't go back to the way it was no. on the bad cop side. But you can still have the demanding cop side. Yeah. And you can go too far on the good cop side, the, the player uh, lovers – and I think you've seen that in some locations in the NBA. Yeah. Where it's basically you basically have a teammate coaching the team. Yes. And they just they do whatever they want yeah. on on some of those clubs. So Yeah, the NBA's such a four or five man organization. So like if you get three of your buddies, then that's your team, which I don't think you can do in the NHL. And so No. There there will always be a need for somebody to 
be the conductor, be the organizer. Yeah. It's funny, your buddy Dean Evison in, in Minnesota. Um, I'm not privy to what goes on behind the scenes there. He, but it, he ain't Marty St. Distance, Louis, I can tell you that. No, I know, but it sure looks like a group of players that likes each other and, you know, gets along well. And I do think, you know, a guy like Dean understands the younger players. Well, he's you know, a good he's, coach, paid his dues. Yeah. Uh, he can get after their their fannies too, though. Yeah. Like he can be an angry, he can be angry. He really can. <laughs> uh, the the St. Louis, I, I, I hope all this works. We need flavors. You know yes. what I mean? Like yeah. You can't have everything the same. There's too much sameness in our sport, sports in general. So to have this crazy hire in some ways in Montreal where St. Louis has never really coached before. No. And then all of a sudden they won back-to-back games and, you know, it's it feels different. They had to lighten things up there. Uh, but then you're still going to have some crabby uh, individuals. They're going to have great success on on other clubs. It's it, timing of it, what you need, what did they have last what do they need now? Like it's all this, all this stuff, man. It it is. It's a fascinating puzzle. That's the history uh, of sports, isn't it? You go from one to the other. Well, like that's what I mean. Like, good swing cop, back, back and cop. forth. Yeah. Except well, for the other that. guys, the other guys that got confused in the movie, and it, I thought you meant bad cop, bad cop, and then they both <laughs> went after him, and it didn't work that well. Uh, what is speaking of uh, or staying with coaches? What is with the twenty five thousand dollar fines to coaches who momentarily snap? in a very high pressure role in an emotional sport uh, for verbally accosting officials. Cause you had Brindamore. I remember when the Brindamore thing came down, I was like, what? So coaches aren't allowed to yell at officials anymore. And then bones went nuts in, in St. Louis. And there was some stick whacking in that one along with choice words. And now John Hines got, uh, the coach of the the Nashville Predators gets or, uh, dinged with uh, might have to clip that one. <laughs> Leave it dinged, in there, Jordan. Leave it gets, in there. <laughs> well, it used to be rinky dinky. Maybe we can do That's it. Right. Gets dinged with a twenty five thousand dollar fine. I don't know if there have been others or not, but are the orange arms and stripes just that sensitive now? I think their bosses are. Um, and and yeah, I but do. they have to tell. They the bosses can't hear it. So then well, the stripes tell him, he said, it's like going and yelling at mom. He said this to me, find him. <laughs> the, the problem with the coaches is their union is not as strong as the players union. The players get a $3,000 fine or $5,000 5, fine. 5,000 yeah. for splashy, splashy. For splashy, splashy. <laughs> Splash mountain. Uh, and the coaches don't, their union has not allowed to negotiate down to 5,000. Um, Doesn't that seem like a big fine? Yeah, especially if they now, have to pay it. Now, like I can only we, imagine what the wives are thinking. We, like, well, that could have been something nice for me. Yeah, I mean, that could could have been some serious Gucci. And yeah, what have you? The <laughs> Shoes, uh, purse. The 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 words that were used, though we we have no idea what they were. So maybe they, maybe there is. Maybe there is a line. It's like getting kicked out of a baseball game. <laughs> Go ahead, seen, say we've it. We've seen that movie say before, it. haven't we? <laughs> Call me one. And then gone. So I, I don't know whether they give them a warning before or or how it goes, but 25 grand for getting mad seems 
it, it seems exorbitant. Does it not? I agree. I agree with you. Yes. Yeah. And again, the co the coaches have a union. Go negotiate and say, no, no, we're not we're not allowing this. Um, I've always I've always wondered how in the world the uh, NHL. We talk about the NBA coaches. The NHL coaches make the money they do, and then go and try and coach guys who make nine, ten million dollars. It's always been the challenge. I know. And can't be hungry like, when you're full. Can't be hungry these, when you're full. The, and again, they're so disposable. Hitch and I talked a lot about this, that one of the reasons they get fired so easily is they don't make enough. Like if you had to commit to a coach for $5 million right. for five years, you probably wouldn't be firing them so much. So Unless you're the again, least, and then you have no well, problem. Yeah, and then you can do whatever. The uh, And look, they, they make a pretty penny now comparable to what it was, when, did, it was yeah. when it was really, really... You're right. And it's even with the the millions that they make in behind the bench, they still feel like they're disposable. Yeah. Cause it, again, because you have a cap and you can't trade guys, you can't move players around. It's like, well, how do we change this thing? Oh, I guess we could make a change behind the bench and that's it. Yeah. And I, I don't, I, I mean, I guess they just come to grips with it as individuals and as, as a collective in the, in the coaches association. But yeah, man, and they, oh man, they recycle pretty well. They and recycle they, well, and now there are four coaches on every bench and five on every staff. So at least there's there's opportunity for yes for uh, hires after that. You got anything else? That's it. All right, it was fun. I, I really yeah. I, I can't tell you how much I am impressed by Marty Turco. And I go back to you know I had to write stories about him and well you did tell us how impressed you were know, you, you told him he was still on he was right there but I wanted you to know too yeah well it was beautiful and and it was true <laughs> he, he is he is an important guy around here has been uh, for a long long time so uh, with that I guess we'll wrap up goalie week here Mike and uh, I thank you for your input and your courage this week uh, I used to be a goalie you know goalie that. I you have a goalie mentality. Okay, you really do. I'll take that. I'm part of the union. And every coach at every level will attest that goaltending is what? 90% of the game of hockey, unless it's bad goaltending. And then it's how much, Mike? 100%. It's 100%. Remember, everyone, hug your post, cover your short side, try not to pull your goalie. We'll talk again next week on the Podman Rush. You've been listening to The Podman Rush with Daryl Razor Ray, an official production of the Dallas Stars. To stay up to date on all things stars, visit DallasStars.com or download the official NHL app today.